Hello and welcome to Movement, a weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, Melinda Cousins interviews a leader from within our movement and then asks them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. So it's great. I've got the opportunity today to be sitting down with Elliot Keane, who is the Leadership Development Facilitator at Baptist Churches SA. He's also the Senior Pastor at Richmond Baptist Church, a husband, a dad of three kids, uh, loves a good check shirt to go camping any chance he gets. Uh, But one of the things I know about you, Elliot, is leadership development isn't just what you do for a job. It's something you're really passionate about. So maybe you could start by telling us what are the passions and experiences that you bring into this role you have with Baptist Churches? Sure. So uh, I was really fortunate to have uh, someone when I was 11 and 12, and then somebody else all the way through high school commit to uh, connecting with me uh, every fortnight um, and just investing in me and loving me well. Uh, And that's been a really, really important part of my development, my discipleship um, and my leadership development, those repeated and meaningful Uh, conversations and moments of reading the Bible and praying together and learning to theologically reflect and learning to lead myself um, in those really formative years were really important um, in my development and have kind of invested in me, left me with a desire to do that for others and to invest well in others. Uh, And so I'm really passionate about um, meaningfully engaging with emerging leaders, with young people, uh, with people who are trying to lead themselves, who are learning to lead others. Um, and do the same thing for them. Yeah, I reckon that's something seen a lot of people in ministry that it's their experience has shaped who they are and why they do what they do. But I also think it's something not just your experience, you seem to be particularly passionate about or really invested in the idea of, of leadership development for the future. Why is that? Uh, well, I tend to live in the future. I have a, um, uh, an idea, um, lots of ideas and an imagination for what um, church can look like, what leadership can look like, what community can look like. Uh, but to do that well, we need people who are courageous and willing to um, step into that future and take us there. Um, and But those people need to have been formed well and developed well and have had to have learnt to lead themselves and others well. Uh, and so I'm really passionate about investing in those that will lead us into the future. Yeah. Great. So one of the questions I've been asking people in this space, um, we're hoping that people from across our movement of Baptist churches are listening and maybe others as well. Who do you hope in particular is listening to our conversation today? Uh, Well, with my leadership development hat on uh, from Baptist Church of SA, I'm hoping that uh, lead pastors, senior pastors, um, senior church teams across our churches are listening in to think about how it is that they can develop a culture of leadership development. Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that our senior leaders are uh, intentionally investing in those that they can uh, train and develop and, and encourage um, I'm also hoping that emerging leaders are listening um, and uh, really hopeful that there are people who have an imagination, who have a sense of the voice of God speaking to them, who have a, an idea for what they could do in the future, that they're listening in and going, maybe I can be a leader. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also hoping uh, that there's a broader audience as well, uh, because all of us are followers in different spaces, and I think it's really, really important for us to know when we're being re- led well and what to look for when we're selecting leadership, if, if we have that opportunity. And so uh, maybe today we'll hear something about what good leadership might look like. Yeah, and there might even be people who don't think of themselves as leaders, but who knows? Yeah, uh, and I think there are more people out there uh, than we realise um, mm-hmm. who, are, who are good leaders, who will be leaders, who could be leaders. 
Um, and there, lots of these people might be sitting in a place where they're saying, I can't be a leader. I can't be a leader because I've got too much going on. I can't be a leader because I'm not good enough. I can't be a leader because I'm not like the person um, that's leading me at the moment. I can't be a leader because I've got some struggles um, in this stage of my life. Um, and I want to invite you to um, uh, have a think about whether or not those reasons are good enough reasons for you not to be a leader. So I reckon, is it something, because you have the role of leadership development across our movement, you get an opportunity to maybe see more than one church, you know, see a broader range. What are you learning? What are you hearing? What are you seeing um, from this investment we're making into the role of leadership development? And one of the things I'm really excited by, and this is partly coming out of our apprenticeship and internship um, programs that we've been running here out of the Baptist Church's office, uh, but also the work I've been doing relationally with um, leaders across um, South Australia and also Australia, mm-hmm. um, uh, and recognising that there are more leaders out there than we sometimes realise. So sometimes we can look around and think there's a uh, there's not enough people in leadership, and that's partly true. Yep. There's lots of need for more leaders. We need to develop more leaders. Uh, but in terms of the pool of people who could be leaders, it's larger than we might realise. Um, and so I'd be really hopeful that we can um, uh, encourage and create pathways for people to grow in their leadership. Um, and part of that is uh, I also recognise that lots of the leadership development that happens is accidental. Mm-hmm. And so some of the people we find in leadership are the kinds of people that would have risen to leadership or grown in leadership regardless of what church or organisation they were part of. They're people that just seem to have the charisma and skills and the kinds of things that most of us look for in leaders. Uh, And so one of the things that I'm learning during this time is and and trying to encourage others in is that leadership development really does require intentionality, requires it being a priority. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon I see that in what you're doing both here and maybe in your church as well. Can you unpack a bit what you mean by intentionality? How does that work out in practice? Um, so everything we're doing in, in a leadership role, whether it's a church leadership role or an organisational leadership role, requires prioritising mm-hmm. what we spend our time on. Um, there's always lots of things we can do, lots of good things that we can do. Um, and one of the things that can be hard to prioritise because it doesn't often see immediate results, it doesn't have an immediate effect on what we can output today or tomorrow even, yeah. um, is leadership development. Uh, but what we recognise is if we don't make the intentional investment, if we don't set aside the time, if I don't invite others into what I'm doing to come on that journey of development, uh, over time we find we're in a leadership deficit space where we don't have the people being trained, capacity being built in people, people being encouraged to even investigate whether or not they're leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about what are you seeing in terms of the kind of leadership that we need or we're looking for that we're seeing emerge? Yeah, so I think there has been a shift in... Uh, what people might define as leadership. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that I like to think about is what it looks like to have um, be a collaborative leader, right. uh, what it means to be a generous leader. Um, and what I mean by that is not using those things as uh, means to an end. I think a lot of leadership learning that I've done, lots of, even lots of books that I've read, give us lots of tools, and some of them are really, really helpful. But some of them sometimes come across like we can use collaboration, for example, or team building or some other leader, important leadership learn. Uh, we can use it as a way to get more out of our team. And yet some of those things, like collaboration, for example, I think are actually ends in themselves, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the church where we're called to be the body of Christ, yeah. working together um, to work well um, uh, as a family um, in that space. So what does it look like for us to actually grow as collaborators? Um, mm-hmm. as an end 
Have you got any examples of, of where you're seeing that work out in practice, people collaborating and, and trying leadership in collaborative ways? Yeah, so we've been trying that at Richmond. We've been having a lot of fun doing that and there's lots of great strengths uh, in doing that. I'm a better person and leader. Uh, because of what we've been trying to do because of my shift in posture in that space I think what I've been learning what I've had to be opened up to uh, and because uh, we've made the space for others to take more responsibility and to be genuinely part of senior leadership decisions uh, that costs something in the short term uh, but has reaped really great richness I think for myself for our team and for our church family Um, and part of that is what it uh, kind of figuring out and learning, and I'm still on this journey, figuring out and learning what it means to be a generous leader, what it means to um, lead open-handedly um, and to lead um, in a way that gives away some of the leadership uh, responsibility and opportunities and um, voice that I could keep for myself. Yeah, Which seems quite different to what we hear a lot about leadership or maybe even what we see in our world of what leadership looks like. So... Uh, one of the one of the things that I was taught growing up that I, d- I think I disagree with is that we need to get better and better ourselves in order to um, uh, get more out of our teams or to encourage uh, more productivity or whatever the outcomes we're looking for as a team. But that can become a very selfish type of leadership where it's about how do I function um, more effectively, more efficiently, more productively to get the best out of my team. And it, um, and, and I actually wonder, I mean, obviously we want to get better, obviously we want to grow, we want to, we want to stay in that learning posture, but what does it look like to do that in a way that's actually for others? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're prioritising um, others' growth and development and opportunity more than our own, even when we're in the senior leadership role. And I think there is something countercultural about that. Uh, one example is a conversation I had recently with a senior coach uh, of an SNFL footy club uh, about leadership development in their context and I just happened to mention the idea of generous leadership, uh, and he would, he'd never heard that term before because he lives in a world of performance leadership, performance-oriented leadership, where it's all about getting the best out of yourselves and the most out of others, uh, which seems admirable at the beginning, but for me, runs a little bit counter to Jesus' model of leadership, um, a model of sacrificial and servant-hearted leadership, um, and a model of you know what I would call this generous leadership, this openness, this um, posture of including, inviting, um, and even promoting others far above ourselves in leadership. Yeah, that's really great. I think that's one of the tensions a lot of people experience. We live in a world of lots of talk about leadership, and then we follow Jesus who has this really different model of leadership and how do we hold these two things together. And I wonder too, sometimes um, it's been one of our challenges as Baptist churches because we don't have this hierarchical model. You know, we believe in the uh, priesthood of all believers is the traditional term, but, you know, that idea that everybody has their part to play. And so how does leadership sit with that? Yeah, that can be a challenge for us because some of us can be then, and I find this in myself, it can be reluctant to push ourselves forward or to um, have a voice um, or to take the lead or to make the the final decision on something because we want to be, we want to listen well to others and we want to be collaborative and we want to get some sense of consensus um, across the church. It can be a tension. Uh, but we also recognise that we need leadership, and, and so and that requires some courage. But I think there's ways we can do that that's still generous, that's mm-hmm. still open, that's still servant-hearted, that still puts others above ourselves, uh, that still challenges the, um, the winning leader or the heroic leader or the, um, the one person who can save us all kind of model of leadership, uh, which we, um, just, we see so much of in our world. 
I know one of the things that you do in your role here is uh, working with the internship program. Is there anything that you would say you're learning, I guess maybe not about leadership, but about how our churches are seeing leadership and developing emerging leaders through running that program? One of the things I'm seeing both in our internship and more broadly um, in some national leadership stuff that I'm involved in as well is there is a broader inclusion of the types of personalities and um, styles and experiences of leadership that I think we're used to seeing and that's a big shift I'm really excited about that in our internship a really diverse range of people ages stages of development experience their personalities are also different Uh, and what's really great I think is that the potential that this range and diversity of leaders has to make big shifts in the culture of our churches for the future is really exciting Uh, Because I think in the past, one of the mistakes we've made is identified leaders that fit particular type of leadership style and tried to replicate that or find people as close to that as possible and then even made people lead like that Mm -hmm. based on our expectations of what leadership looks like. Uh, And so I'm really excited through the internship program and and in other leadership development spaces that we're seeing this increased diversity. Mm. So you mentioned before when you were talking about collaboration, about how that can um, be an end goal in itself. We just had to say about diversity. Is diversity the end goal, or what's the benefit of having diversity in leadership? Uh, diversity does a whole range of things. I think uh, for me, I learned so much about other ways of seeing the world, other ways of making decisions. Um, obviously, that we can talk about that in in terms of personality. Just having a range of personalities uh, and emotional intelligence and experiences and relationship skills and all those things uh, can enrich a team, can enrich a leadership team um, and a culture. Uh, in so many ways but what would it look like for us to think even more broadly uh, because sometimes our organizations our churches even our leadership expectations uh, expect our leaders and our leadership teams to operate in a particular way um, and operate in I think a singular way Mm -hmm. which forces people to uh, be less imaginative to be less uh, broad in the way that they can um, solve a problem imagine a future uh, lead people well so you mentioned before you've had the opportunity to be involved in some kind of national leadership movements, I think things like Arrow and Surrender and maybe some others. Are you seeing any examples of where this, this is working out on the ground? Yeah, so I really love that um, Surrender has made a priority of investing in, developing and employing and putting into positions of responsibility in senior leadership. Uh, women of, women of colour and Indigenous leaders, uh, and I think that's just so important. We have to get better at listening well to a far greater diversity of leadership voices Um, so that's really great arrow too are working hard to um, increase the investment uh, in women in leadership Uh, but also arrow international is expanding into what does it look like to develop leaders overseas and importantly thinking very carefully about what does it mean to uh, encourage facilitate leadership development without then imposing a particular style of leadership on that culture and i think that's true whether that's overseas culture or back here in australia with different people from different backgrounds of any kind. Um, What does it look like for us to not enforce or impose an idea of leadership, but actually to invite their own imagination of what leadership can look like and what following Jesus looks like? So can I ask you, you say all this, you know, talking about diversity and you're sitting here as someone who is, you know, white, male, Mm. um, probably standard age for leadership. And so there might be some people listening who think, well, doesn't that mean that people like you are going to miss out? The people that we've traditionally put into leadership positions, you know, are going to be pushed out just because someone else who looks different um, gets gets a go. How, how would you respond to that? I think that's a really important thing to name. 
and and recognise that still in the vast majority of leadership and influential positions in lots of sectors of society, but particularly in the church, white males sit in the seats where they have a voice, where they have leadership, um, and um, that's not all bad. No, a lot of these, a lot of people are great people, great leaders, people to look up to. Um, so this isn't a, um, an attempt to try and completely erase anyone's voice, uh, but I think we really need to think well about our posture in that. So what does it look like for us? And I'll go back to that generous leadership idea. What does it look like for us to sit in those places if we have them, um, if we found ourselves easily in those places? What does it look like to work really hard, um, to make room, to create spaces, even, and I think this is hugely challenging, even to give up our own positions to make space for um, people from all sorts of diverse backgrounds and leadership, whether it's gender or culture or any other kind of difference uh, that we might have. Um, I get the privilege of working with two female pastors uh, and we work really closely together and share lots of responsibility and collaborate on most of what we do as a church community and that's made us richer as a church community. Um, And I wouldn't have any hesitation in giving up my role to any of them. This is um, something that I think about fairly often actually is how do we... Um, how do we move out of the way more often? I think it's actually a really key principle to leadership development anyway, mm. um, not just for creating space for different kinds of leaders, but yeah. for creating space for the next leader yeah. um, mm. or the next leaders. Um, what does it look like for us to keep stepping backwards or aside or doing ourselves out of a job? Well, there are lots of different ways we could look at it. What does it look like for us to hold that as a high priority in our ministry and our leadership? And I think that's part of practicing intentional leadership development. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you, and you kind of talked a little bit about how things look different in different contexts, um, you know, maybe culturally, but we recognise things look different in different times as well. And so one of the questions I wanted to ask was, what are the things that you're thinking about or the questions that you're asking in this particular season and context we find ourselves in? And so for the benefit of anyone listening at a later date, we're finding ourselves uh, in the midst of the COVID situation, um, maybe starting to transition uh, or looking towards what coming out of that season is gonna be like. But what have you been thinking about? What questions have you been asking in this particular season? So more generally, I guess, Uh, we've been thinking lots as a church community about and and as a movement as well uh, what does it mean for us to ask really good questions about who we are and how we've been practicing as a church Um, what is what does it mean for us to think about our culture well our liturgy well the practices we have as um, christian communities Um, and do we have the courage to make radical changes what are some of the things that we can leave in the previous season Uh, What are some of the things we want to rebuild or renew or strengthen uh, that were already good? And what are some of the new things, the imaginative things that we can come up with uh, for the future? I think they're challenging questions. They're not easy questions, but they're really, really important. And we're having a bit of fun wrestling through them. Yeah, I feel like they're the kinds of questions that you would be asking anyway. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) This season has probably brought them to the fore. Yeah, I think so. And it's creating space uh, for us to to challenge, to push against the gravity of keeping things the same. Mm. Uh, There's that kind of pull, gravity pull that kind of holds us with the status quo and where we're comfortable. This season's obviously shaking that wide open, not just for imaginative leaders, but for everyone in our churches. And so what does it look like for us to... Uh, not waste this time, uh, not be abusive with this time, but to take the opportunity while we have it. Yeah. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's really good big questions for the church as a whole. What about in terms of leadership and leadership development? What have you been thinking about or what questions you're asking due to this particular season? Yeah, so something else that's happening in this season is uh, we've kind of, things are being revealed in us that are good and things are being exposed that maybe aren't so mm-hmm. good. The way we handle things, the culture of our churches, the, the leadership yep. cultures that we have. And so one of the questions personally I've been asking is what's been revealed in mm-hmm. my own leadership and what's been exposed? Uh, What's showing up? I think that's a really important question for leaders uh, to take on, but also leadership culture in general. What's being revealed about our dependency on one leader or certain structures of leadership or cultures of leadership or styles of leadership? What's being exposed? What's being shown up that we we need to redo? And this is a great chance to rethink through all of that. I think some of these questions have have been asked of us for decades now. Right. Yeah. Uh, as we consider what the church needs to look like into the future, as we think about what hasn't gone well, what's unhealthy about the Christian church, particularly in the West and the way we've been doing it. Um, and so this season hasn't given us a new question, really. Mm-hmm. It's just made the question sharper and probably more urgent. Right, yeah. So then given that we are facing such an unknown, and maybe not unknown, but also constantly changing future is where we feel like we find ourselves at the moment, um, in this space of emerging leadership, what are some of the things we need to think well about? And I think one of the questions um, or phrases I've heard you use is, what do we need to unlearn? So, you know, what do we need to learn and think well about, but what do we maybe need to unlearn and change? Yeah, so I spend a lot of time thinking about future church, the phrase I have, just imagining what church could look like into the future, what church would look like if we were making a fresh start wow. in the yep. future. Uh, it's, quite, it's a fun exercise. I enjoy it. Um, and it challenges me in the way I think about our own church culture, our movement, um, and my leadership and our leadership culture um, in all of this. I think about unlearning. Uh, there's something, I think I mentioned this earlier, there's different kinds of leaders out there. There's more leaders than we realize out there, and they're from a more diverse range of personalities, backgrounds, genders, cultures than I think we've given uh, importance to in the past. Uh, I think one of the things we need to unlearn is that we've lived with a very white male style of leadership in our leadership culture. Mm-hmm. Not just that there were white males in the role. Yeah, but the style. Yeah, but that our experiences, our models, even the way our organisations are structured are, are, and what we value, what we look for, what we interview for, what we develop, uh, very much tend to be uh, what we would call core white male strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's okay because they're strengths, but we're missing out on such a wide range of other valuable input. Um, and of course, the voices that come with uh, a wider diversity of people. So, what would it look like for us to unlearn uh, overemphasizing certain leadership traits and relearn, develop in ourselves the ability to see a much broader range of leadership skills and to value them? And this is true for women, of course. What does it look like for us to recognise, learn, value and invest in uh, the, the really important voice of women and leadership styles that women can bring? I'm speaking generally, of course. Uh, this is true too for culture. Um, this experience of many cross-cultural leaders uh, in Australia or people who are trying to be leaders in Australia that either they don't succeed because they bring with them a very different style of leadership and it just doesn't fit in a particular organisation or structure or they shift their leadership mm-hmm. style and then we call it a success, a successful diversity in our organisation. But what we're actually doing is just changing the colour but not the culture and the style and the posture of leadership in that organisation. And we're asking someone to give up much of what they could bring. And I think we're poorer for it. I think our churches are poorer for it. Our organisations are poorer for it. So what would it look like for us to relearn 
um, a, a richer way of understanding what leadership looks like. That's really good. I think we could probably say too, are we using the phrase white male as a bit of shorthand too? Because there's probably plenty of men um, who, who don't fit yeah. either the personality yeah. or the style or the experience yeah. of what we've assumed a leader looks like. Yeah, yeah that's well. really helpful. I probably was a bit too quick just to throw that out there. But this idea that uh, there's been a certain style of leadership, whatever labels we want to put on mm. it, that has become the peak form of leadership. And it's what our models, what our heroes uh, model, it's what our structures and organisations are built around. And that's not necessarily wrong, mm. but I just think it's poorer. Yep. We're poorer and we could be far richer if we challenge the way we think about that, even if it means significant restructuring of our expectations and our organisations mm-hmm. to, to include a, a real, di- a genuine diversity. I think much yep. of what we call diversity in boards and leadership teams is often uh, surface level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doesn't go deep uh, into the heart of the culture um, and doesn't invite all of who somebody is mm. and allowing them the freedom to lead in the way that they can and should be able to lead. So I want to pick up on something you said before about um, the future of the church and almost like you, you love to think about and imagine what church would look like if it were starting again from scratch. And maybe to give people a little bit of context, because I find it's really interesting that that's not what you've done. So you didn't go and plant a church from scratch. You've actually been involved in a sense of a revitalization of a church. Yep. Um, so starting where we're at. But yeah, maybe you can speak a little bit more about what you see as the things that we need to think well about in, in that space. Yeah. So for me, discovering the future church isn't about starting from scratch uh, it's it's about taking what's really good what we've learned this is not about saying that everything old or older is wrong or bad and needs to be done away with and that everything new and young is um, is good uh, that would be unwise there is so much good in the church there is so much we can learn there's so much that we stand on the foundations of church history um, and uh, so so I think it's really important for us not to imagine future church as a completely fresh start but we also recognise that we need to have the courage to undo, unlearn, let go of a whole lot of things in our culture, in our practices uh, that are unhealthy and unhelpful. Or even if they're not unhealthy and unhelpful, they're not as rich as they could be. They're not allowing us the freedom and imagination to discover what, uh, what it looks like to be the people of God in this time and place. We're maybe carrying a bit too much with us in our expectations of what church and church experience can look like. Uh, and so one of the ways I think about that in leadership development is I don't actually think it's us and our generation now in the church and my generation of leaders and those who are older than me mm. who are going to discover future church. Right. Uh, I actually think it's uh, people who are a couple of decades younger mm-hmm. than we are who are just emerging now uh, because they're growing up in a season where, we're, where church over the last few decades has done some significant unlearning. There's been some um, things are wide open, uh, lots of cultural shifts, lots of... Um, different understandings, different expectations of what the church experience looks like. And things like coronavirus just speed that up and Mm -hmm. challenge that in lots of different ways. And so one of the questions for us is if we want to see uh, leaders in the future free to develop what future church needs to look like, we need to be able now to create leadership development pathways and church cultures that help them grow up in a way where they don't carry the expectations and baggage that many of us do. Mm. Uh, I find so much in my leadership, many of my decisions are reactions against what I've struggled with in the past. What would it look like to be able to spend more time and future leaders to be able to spend all of their energy 
in just imagining what church needs to look like in our time and place. And so that's one of the things that drives my quest for our church to develop a culture of freedom and imagination and encouragement and inclusion and generosity and collaboration so that the leaders who are just emerging now are being developed in a space where they're not, uh, where they're able to freely imagine, where they have encouragement to try new things and, and test out ideas um, so that we can find somewhere near what future church needs to look like. Nice. Mm. You use the word imagine and imagination a lot, <laughs> obviously. How, do you, how does that land in practice? How do, you, how do we imagine? So I think imagination is a muscle that we can develop. Okay. Um, my background is science and engineering um, and fairly unimaginative <laughs> is how I would have described myself um, a long time ago. But um, through, uh, I married an artist and that's been really helpful. Um, Sarah's just incredibly imaginative and that's been part of my leadership development is learning from her Um, and then discovering things like poetry and all sorts of other kind of imaginative creative spaces that have been forming in me a desire to grow um, not that I have skills in painting or poetry necessarily but to grow in a posture of imagination so what does it look like for me to think about things differently what does it look like for me to try as much as I can to look at things in fresh ways to uh, let go of the ordered constraints that I put around things, my own expectations of what things can look like. And then when it comes to leading a culture, how do I make sure that people feel free um, to be able to explore those things? What does it look like to be a permission-giving culture? Uh, And that means, for me personally, that's been a shift from being kind of a defensive posture to a generous posture. Uh, What does it mean for me to start generously? And to help practice that, uh, I established a culture at our church for a, for a while in myself and in our church that the answer was always yes. Mm-hmm. Now, that's really risky. Um, it doesn't always go well, and we've started and stopped a whole bunch of things. But what that's building in us, it's stretching in our leadership and in our church culture, uh, imaginative people and people who f- feel like they can say the half ideas or come up with new things or try things that are a bit risky. Uh, I think that's really, really important and really key for the future really key for emerging leaders to be encouraged, to be entrepreneurial, to take risks, to step outside of the the boxes that we've created of what mission and church and life as a follower of Jesus looks like. Uh, I think it's critical, actually. It really resonates for me, and I know that we've done some preaching and talking about this before, but um, with the role of the prophets in the Old Testament. So I think sometimes people think the prophets are predictors of the future, and that's not actually how it's working. They're really their imaginers of the future. They're people who could kind of see, know God and see what God is doing and then somehow articulate, and you mentioned poetry, like they do it in poetry, yeah. that they actually paint pictures of what could be and invite people to step into that. Does that, that I mean, I, obviously we talk about this and, and um, we're just get really excited about what it would look like for us to give permission to emerging leaders uh, to imagine for themselves a future. Um, I think sometimes we feel like we take on the responsibility of having to imagine what things need to look like. And I think uh, I can imagine some things, but I'm actually really excited to see what my kids imagine, what next generations are going to come up with. And so what does it mean for us to encourage them to be prophets, Mm. um, to learn to speak poetically and prophetically and have the courage to challenge me, to challenge us, um, to speak up about what needs to shift. And then for me, in in the position of responsibility and leadership, to be responsive, to be generous, to be open, to be non-defensive, and to take some risks in the emerging leaders that are coming up with all sorts of what might seem like crazy ideas Mm. or new ideas or fresh ideas or even recreations of old ideas, 
but that all contribute to the church, us finding what we need to be as Jesus people. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's really great because I was thinking for those who maybe for some people the idea of imagination sounds really vague mm. and fluffy and without any boundaries. But again, like the, the prophets and you just mentioned people of Jesus, like we have a really clear framework, yeah. don't we? It's not like we're just imagining anything. Mm. Um, there's a there's a foundation or a framework that it's based on. Yeah, we, we, we imagine this out of a story that's already being told. Nice. So we're not writing a new story, it's a new chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been lots of chapters. Uh, and I think the, the West... Australia desperately needs a new chapter to be written in what church looks like in, in the way that the followers of Jesus live and bring shalom and love our neighbours. Uh, and so what does it look like for us who are already in the re- positions of responsibility to establish cultures where that can be encouraged and developed and nurtured? And what does it look like for emerging leaders to grow up seeing a sense of freedom and idea and having heroes and heroines in leadership to look up to that they can learn from that and, and that a greater diversity of emerging leaders might think, um, no longer do I have to think I can't be a leader because I, of all mm. the reasons, but actually go, I, maybe I can be a leader because God's spirit is at work and it's his power that's at work in me. And it's not because I'm a certain type of person or come from a certain background or have different experiences, but it's because God is working with me and going before me and calling me into this leadership space. Right. So you live and breathe this kind of future looking and imagination stuff. Um, and I'd love to ask, is there ways that you have seen that kind of grounded and working out in practice? And they might just be small glimpses of it because this is like I'm saying, it's, a, it's something that's still emerging. But have you got some concrete examples of what that might look like or has looked like in practice for different people? Yeah, so I think one of the really important learning spaces for me, and this has been hugely challenging to my leadership posture, my, uh, my, the way I learn um, and the way I make decisions as a leader, um, has been spending more time alongside First Nations people here in Australia. Right. Yep. Um, I think it's really critical for us to think well about the kind kinds of influences we have and broaden the influences we have. So I've loved having um, more types of people speaking into my life and my development. So that includes having female uh, mentors and coaches and things like that, working alongside um, great leaders who are female but also different cultures uh, spending time with our Arabic community at Richmond and learning from the way they do things but also spending time um, listening to and learning from First Nations Christians First Nations people, First Nations leaders uh, and recognising that in our country's story uh, it's really important that we um, listen well, learn well and offer the hand of friendship um, in that space but also recognise that um, for our churches, people from First Nations uh, Australia uh, have a have a really helpful perspective on what it means to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, what it means to understanding who God is, understanding what community is like, and there is so much I think that we can learn from that space. And so, what to answer your question, one of the things that I'm really excited about is seeing the next generation of Aboriginal Christian leaders being set free to follow. Jesus, to be discipled, to grow up in him, um, uh, to live in a white Western majority space, but also to value culture and story and people. Uh, And I think that there's the potential in lots of these um, young Aboriginal Christian leaders to show us part of what future church needs to look like. And so I'm really keen to listen in and to learn and to watch them. So we've been talking lots of like big ideas and you know love some of the language that you're using and I can imagine there might be people thinking oh this is great and it's inspiring and exciting but my reality is 
I'm kind of sitting in a church where, you know, we, we do things the way we do things and um, the realities and the practicalities of who we have and what we're exposed to might feel a lot smaller. What, what are the practical steps that people can be taking if they're feeling like they're, they want to grab hold of some of what you're saying but in a maybe a small first steps? Yeah, that's a really good question and a really important part of leadership development and maybe even it's the first part of leadership development before we even get any responsibility or um, have anything, anyone to lead is learning how to lead ourselves. Right. And so it doesn't matter what context we're in. It doesn't matter how hard our context is or if there seems to be limited opportunities, what we can do is learn to lead ourselves. Um, we can think about um, the heart questions that we God might have of us, um, some of the things we might need to address or challenge in ourselves. We might think of um, some of the things that we can do to start practicing what it means to be uh, a leader, a follower of Jesus who, who leads others um, well and generously and sacrificially and loving. Uh, and that can happen in any context. And we don't have to make huge strides mm-hmm. in that um, in short amounts of time. In fact, the leadership journey is a lifelong journey of learning, of humility, uh, of integrity, of being open to being challenged uh, by the voice of God, by the voice of others um, in our lives. And we can develop those practices really, really early. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can start them now, actually. There's no reason we need to wait for anyone else mm-hmm. uh, to, to do that. It is helpful to have people journey with us. Um, in that space to find a mentor to find a pastor to find someone who is open to spending time with us to expressing our interest in being developed uh, that can be really really helpful um, when people volunteer themselves um, to be to be invested in uh, one of the things um, from here in our, in our um, Baptist churches roles is walking alongside our churches to create the pathways and opportunities and mentoring that uh, to facilitate that to assist our churches in that uh, part of that's like our internship program and our accreditation pathways and all the, all the things that we do to help develop people. But part of it too is having conversations with people. So we're really, and coffee, of course, uh, it has to be over coffee. Um, so we're really open to people giving us a call um, and saying, look, this is where I'm at. Um, let, let's have a chat. And I'd love to do that. Yeah, excellent. You mentioned self-leadership there, and um, I really like that. One of the things that I've seen you do and and heard you speak about really well I think in this space is kind of challenging emerging and young leaders to um, not shy away from some of the big questions Mm. and you know of who they are and how that might impact their leadership going forward yeah so I could speak about this a lot like everything else we've talked about today Uh, but uh, one of the things I would say like this season has exposed us exposed our church cultures exposed uh, us as leaders Uh, ministry leadership itself exposes us Uh, the highs and lows, the story of leadership, the stresses of leadership, the expectations, uh, will bring to the surface those things that we haven't dealt with. Um, And that could be um, all sorts of things, holistic things, really. It could be our health, it could be our mental health, it could be all sorts of things about who we are. It's especially true about our character. Um, It's especially true about things that we could address uh, that we haven't had the courage to have a conversation about, that we haven't had the courage to talk to God about, that we haven't... um, worked through and processed and so my encouragement and the challenge uh, is for you to take seriously and have the courage to uh, step into that space and to wrestle with the dark things the shadow side of who you are uh, what you already know about yourself that isn't helpful and that will be exposed Um, and you can do that on your own you can do that with God for some things but it's really really important you do that with others um, and do that journey with others so you get the right kind of support and help um, and accountability that you might need in that space. Yeah. No, that's great. 
Uh, it's really been great to chat to you. And like you said, we could probably keep talking about some of things, all sure. these things all day. I think the idea, though, of what we're doing, isn't it? We want to have a conversation that we want to invite others yeah. to listen in on, but we hope that conversation continues in our churches, continues with people, with us, and, and we'll continue learning and listening um, to what God's up to. Okay. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for listening to Movement Today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Movement is a podcast from Baptist Church's SA, hosted by Melinda Cousins and produced by Ruth Grace and Kathy Turner. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest. <laughs>